Okay, we are uh, in a series about the, the book of James, and uh, we've been wandering through chapter by chapter, basically, and if you remember in the first chapter, uh, we talked about how faith works, uh, and it, it works because it helps us persevere, and it works because it helps us to get, you know, recreated into the person God uh, wants us to be. Uh, and then we talked about faith working, literally working, that is, it does things, it's active in the world, and, and uh, we need to be active out there, and we talked with the Sullivans about uh, what they're going to do in Ethiopia and how we're going to be there working, right? And uh, so faith works. It just does uh, things, right? Then last week we talked about how, very practical ways, how faith uh, works, even down to uh, the uh, biggest things in our life or the smallest things in our life. And that would include making sure that our tongue is working for the kingdom, right? That our, our words are, are on purpose. Well, today... Uh, we take another another step, and it's kind of under the title there, uh, Employed Faith Works, I Work for Christ. That's the theme that we need to get today, that James wants us to get to. Now, I need to warn you today, and especially if you're visiting with us this morning, uh, the message today uh, is about James. Okay, J- James is the one who's going to lead us where we're going to go this morning, uh, and if you're visiting with us this morning... Uh, that's what we do around here, is we always take wherever the Bible leads us, and it takes us into very relevant things and challenging things uh, for our life. So there's, there's the preview of what we're going to talk about this morning. And to, to kind of get you to show uh, where we're headed, uh, I found this uh, picture. And uh, this picture is uh, a picture of a statue uh, that was put up uh, on the border. It's called uh, Christ of the Andes. It's in the Andes Mountain, and it was put up exactly on the border between Chile and Argentina. Okay? And, and the two nations got together, and they decided that they would put this statue right on the border in the Andes Mountains between the two countries as a, as a statement, as kind of a symbol and a statement and a reminder that from now on, they were, as two people, absolutely committed to peace between the two nations. Sweet. Aww. Isn't that nice? Yeah. So they put the statue up. Ironically, they put the statue up that, remember, is absolutely dedicated to be a symbol of peace between the two nations. And as soon as they put it up, the people in Chile started complaining and arguing. They started complaining and arguing because they said, well, how come Chile gets the backside of Jesus? Right? You know, they get... This part, right? And the people in Argentina, they get the face of Jesus. And there was this great turmoil. They started arguing inside Chile about this whole deal as well. What does it say? How come Chile? How come we get the backside and Argentina gets a face? And uh, this isn't right and blah, 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 blah. Well, it was finally thankfully settled by a uh, newspaper writer in uh, Chile who uh, settled the problem by writing these words. Uh, we can go ahead and have the statue facing the way it is because the people of Argentina need more watching over than the people of Chile. That was the way he solved it. Well, we need watching over, right? Now, the irony of the statue and why I show it to you is it kind of speaks to the first question that James asks, okay? And here's the question that James asks. He says, why do you fight and argue among yourselves? Now, let's qualify here. He's talking this morning, absolutely directly to Christ followers, 
So, so if you're a Christ, if you're a Christ follower, he is talking absolutely directly to us this morning. If you're not there yet, if that's not where you're at, it's not that you can't take something away from this morning, but you just need to understand this is what you're getting into. Okay, This is what it means. He's talking straight to Christ followers. He says, why do you fight and argue among yourselves? Isn't it because of your sinful longings? They fight inside you. He asks the question, and then he gives the answer. Why do we fight and argue among ourselves? His answer is because of your sinful longings. Your sinful longings. See, James understands who we are at our core. We, we may put a statue up and says we're going to be at peace, absolute peace between two nations, but as soon as we do it, what do we do? We start quarreling. He understands our nature. He even goes further to define that nature in verse 2. He says, you want something, but you can't get it. You kill and want what others have, but you can't have what you want. You argue and fight. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God. I tell you what, let's read that together. Only this time, I'll read the part uh, that's not bold and underlined. You read the part that's bold and underlined for me, will you? Ready to try that? Here we go. You're, tr- you're first. Something, but you can't get it. Kill and what others have, but you can't have what? Ah, you argue and fight. You don't have what you? Because you don't ask God. Do you get the point in the whole deal? Isn't that, I mean, that's, he, he's, he knows us. He knows us. Right? I mean, from a little on, what's our problem? We always put first what we want. We always put first what we want. And that's the problem. James is saying, look, that, that's the problem. The problem is you have to remember you're not who you used to be anymore. You're now an absolute follower of Christ. You've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. It's no longer about what you want. You are employed by Christ in the kingdom of heaven. It's no longer about what you want. Paul, in Romans, he tries to describe this struggle that's inside of us and and uses his own personal testimony here about how he goes through this struggle himself. He says, here's the law that I find working inside of me. When I want to do good, evil's right there with me. Deep inside me, I find joy in God's law, but I see another law working in the parts of my body. It fights against the law of my mind. It makes me a prisoner of the law of sin. That law controls the parts of my body. What a terrible failure I am. Who will save me from this sin that brings death to my body? I give thanks to God. He will do it through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, there's a transition between what we used to be wrapped up in all of our wants to what Christ makes us into when we become fully employed followers of Jesus Christ. Now, James understands how important this is because he says, look, this, this can even get in the way. It, it can show itself in even the way you talk with God, even the way you, you come to him in your prayers. He says, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God. Okay, so problem there. You, you should be talking about even what you want, I guess, right? But then he says, 
When you do ask for something, you don't receive it. How come? Why? Key. Because you ask for the wrong reasons. Here's the struggle. So often, when we come to God, we're about what we want. And we're wasting our breath. Because we're not those people anymore. We are kingdom-employed people. And the invitation for us is to ask for the right things. Let me make it personal. I know some of you out there right now are going through some really big troubles. You know, some of you are going through some really big health troubles or you're going through some relationship issues. And I know that, that what's inside of you is to ask, just make it go away. I understand that. God understands that. But James would say, that's part of the problem. What you have to do is look at what you're going through as a kingdom-employed person. And instead, ask, sure, for healing, sure, for help, sure, to get your relationship back where God wants it to be. But ask, more importantly, and most of all, God, use me in this situation, however, will bring you glory first. See the difference? It's for us to understand we are absolutely kingdom-employed people. And, and we may not get what we ask for. But it doesn't mean God can't use every experience of our life to accomplish kingdom purposes. And, and we just need to ask foremost, God, whatever you desire. I can endure this. I can go through this. I can get beyond whatever I have to get beyond in my struggle because I know I am a kingdom-employed person and you will use this. See, what you're going through right now, it may be the biggest witness opportunity you'll ever have in your life. It may be. Just like the apostles, all of whom were martyred for the cause of Christ. I mean, that's the challenge for us. Is, is to get ourselves in that place that understands our life is no longer our own. It belongs to Him. And the best thing we can ask for is whatever He desires. First John tries to get us to get that, and, and he brings it, I think, brings it all together for us, this understanding, okay? Here's what he says. Beloved, so he's talking to Christ followers, right? Beloved. If our hearts do not condemn us... Now, what, what does he mean there? If our hearts don't condemn us... Well, if our hearts are in the right place, right? I mean, if our hearts are exactly what we've been talking about, if our hearts are in the right place where, where we're sold out on Christ, where we're a, we're, we're a kingdom-employed person, right? If our hearts are in the right place, we have boldness before God. And we receive from Him whatever we ask. Because we obey His commands... And do what pleases Him. See, if we're in a kingdom-employed mentality, in a kingdom-employed understanding of our life, then we're going to ask for the right things. Things that are consistent with what He wants to do in our life. Consistent with what His desire is in our life. And He will give them. Because it's His purpose. It's His intention. It's His desire. We just need to get ourselves and our hearts in that place that says... I belong to Christ, absolutely, totally, completely, without reservation. 
You with me? Challenge, huh? Okay. Now, you'd be nice to take a deep breath after that one, right? And <laughs> just kind of, okay, moving on, Pastor. That's a heavy enough thing for today. You know, I wish I could do that. I really do. I wish I could do that. But James just won't let us because he now moves into the trenches. He now moves to that place that we just like don't like to talk about. And, and again, let me give a preemptive strike here and say, now, this is not pastor leading you to this place. This is James. This is the Bible. It's not my desire. It's not my intention. I didn't sit at my desk last week and say, now, how can I talk to them about this? No, I'm going through the book of James. And the Bible, James says, you've got you to gotta think about this. You've you got to take this seriously. And, and look where he goes. This is in the trenches stuff. Rubber hits the road. He says, you want, we just talked about that, you want to spend your money on your sinful pleasures. You are not faithful to God. Where does he go? He goes to that place that is the easiest place for, under, for us to see and understand what the priorities are in our life. How we manage our money. I mean, it's like the billboard that shows what the priorities are in our life. If you get home today, sit down as a husband and wife or sit down as a person and, and look at your budget. If you look at your budget, you'll discover what the priorities are uh, in your life because that's how we use our resources according to those priorities. And James gets it. And James says, look, you, you, you got to take this serious. you got to look at this part of your life. And... Um, I can start out on a positive around Christ Church because a lot of folks get that here, right? A lot of us get that. And we are able to announce to you today that like, you know, a month ago, we started a sacrificial gift campaign. Remember, and it's above and beyond your tithe, a sacrificial gift campaign to raise funds to uh, send the Sullivans uh, over to Ethiopia and open our own center in Addis, Ethiopia for women and children, right? I am like overjoyed to tell you today we have met our goal as of last week is that awesome or what now look at that 90 grand like a month we raised 90 grand for this cause right now i want you don't forget this okay because this is going to come up directly related to a verse james is going to give us in a little while okay so remember it so this is awesome this is the way it works now, the trouble for us is James really gets in our face about this. He, he just won't kind of give us one little verse and let us go. If, if you look at the Amplified Translation of the, the verse we just talked about, if you look at the Amplified Translation, he gives us a picture of how serious this is in our faith walk. He says, your intention is, when you get what you desire, what you want, to spend it on sensual pleasures. You are like unfaithful wives having illicit love affairs with the world and breaking your marriage vow to God. What's his image? Christ follower. He's saying, listen, if you don't have this priority in, in how you manage your resources and you honor God first, if you don't make the tithe in your life and you honor God first, it's the same as committing adultery. It's like committing adultery in a relationship. It's, it's, like, it's like having one spouse in a relationship continuing every day to go out and commit adultery. I mean, and think about this. 
Is this relationship going to grow and foster and be fantastic and deep and intimate and wonderful if one spouse is out there every day committing adultery? You know the answer. No. And and is one spouse going to say, Honey, I know you're out there committing adultery every day, but man, I want to just give you everything I can give you. I want to just pour everything I can pour into your life. I just want to absolutely overwhelm you with everything I can possibly give you. No. You don't do that. That's what James is saying. He's saying, look, realize how important this is to your faith walk of being an employed person of Christ. That if you don't get this, it's like just continuing in adultery. You know, some folks will come to me and they'll say, uh, Pastor, listen, uh, you know, I, I just can't afford it right now, but I'll give my time. I'll give my time. Heard that before? I, I'll, give, I'll, I'll give my time. That's like going to your spouse and saying, listen, honey, you're on your own when it comes to food and rent, but man, I'll spend all the time I can with you. Does that work? It doesn't work. You know that. I, I mean... James wants us to understand how absolutely vital it is for us to get it, to know to be a sold-out follower of Christ, to be kingdom-employed, is vital to our life. And that includes every aspect of our life, including making that tithe and honoring God first with our resources. He will warn us. He'll say, don't you know that to be a friend of the world is to hate God? That's, that's harsh, don't you think? That's pretty harsh. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Don't you know what Scripture says? The spirit that God caused to live in us wants us to belong only to God. What is that? Kingdom employed. Kingdom employed. Totally sold out. My life is all His. It's all about Him. Everything I have, including my resources. That's how vital this is. Now, John, in 1 John, uh, he also gives us the same warning. So you don't think James is the only one who's serious about this, okay? James gives us the same warning. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. The love of the Father is not in those who love the world. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride and riches comes not from the Father, but from the world. And the world and its desires are passing away. But those who do the will of God live forever. So it's this warning about being careful about your desires. Now, let me give you a qualifier. Desire, in and of itself, is not bad. I tell my wife this all the time, right? I say, hey, I desire, like Ricky Bobby in Talladega Nights, right? I desire my smoking hot wife, okay? I think that's great. She's not so sure, but I think that's great. Right? So desire is not in and of itself bad. Okay? But it becomes a problem when we desire the things of this world at the expense of being a kingdom follower, being being a kingdom-employed person. See, that's the rub. That's, That's where it is. See, when we desire the things of the world more than we desire saying, God, whatever you want, I know it's the most excellent thing I could ever desire. See? And that's the challenge that James is trying to give us. To, to bring this all together, if you look at Timothy, I think he, he does a good job 
for us. He says, God will bring Jesus back at a time that pleases him. God is blessed and the only, only ruler. He is the greatest king of all. He is the most powerful Lord of all. Do you get a sense he's just starting out by getting us to understand how great God is? Just this, this is who we work for. This is, our, this is who we work for, right? Then, he, then you go down after the Amen in verse 17. He says, command people who are rich in this world not to be proud, not to be proud, not to be I want. It's all about me, right? Don't be proud. Tell them not to put their hope in riches. Wealth is so uncertain. Command those who are rich to put their hope where? Kingdom employed first, in God. He richly provides us with everything to do what? Enjoy. It's okay to enjoy the things of this world. That's fine. Absolutely. He provides us with all that to enjoy. But don't enjoy it at the expense of being in a kingdom-employed person. Don't enjoy it in a way that commits adultery. Enjoy it after you honor God first. After you say, I am absolutely sold out on Christ and I'm going to be a kingdom-employed person first and foremost. I mean, we know God loves the world. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. He loves the world. What's the key? We're supposed to love the world. We're just not supposed to fall in love with the world. You get the difference? We're supposed to love the world, do everything we can to just change the world. But don't let the world be our priority. We're kingdom employed. Now, why is this so important for us? It's so important for us because it helps us get in the right position in our relationship with Christ. Being this kingdom-employed person puts us in the position where God can do more in our lives. Now, this is the verse I want you to connect with where I said, remember, we did more sacrificial giving and we made it and think great things are going to happen. Here's what he says. Don't you think Scripture has a reason for saying that? God continues to give us what? More grace. More. Did you hear that? Should I say it louder? More, right? He wants more. He wants to pour more. He's all about giving us more grace. Even though we don't deserve it, he wants to bring it into his life. You see, that's the position we need to be in. When we're in a kingdom-employed position, then we're in that position that allows God to pour more into our life. Proverbs, he quotes Proverbs to get this, he says, God opposes those who are proud, but he gives grace to those who are not. God opposes who? Those who are all about the I want. It's all about me. But what does he do? He gives grace to those who aren't. For those who are in that position of kingdom employment who say, it's all about God, God wants to pour more into our lives. He wants to pour more into our days. He wants to pour more into our relationships. He wants to pour more into our financial resources. He wants to pour more. That's what he desires. But it's for us to be in that kingdom relationship of being kingdom employed. Jesus affirms it in Matthew 6. Put God's kingdom first. Do what he wants you to do. Kingdom employed. Then all those things are be given to you. What are the things? The things are don't worry about your life and what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about all that stuff, eating and clothing and all that stuff. 
He'll take care of that. If you're kingdom employed. He always takes care of his employees. He's got the best benefit plan in the world. It's for us to understand that. Now, as I share this with you this morning, I know that if you're still with me, uh, and some of you may not yet be, so come back, but if you're still with me on this, I know what's going to happen. What's going to happen is when you leave this morning and you're driving home, you're going to churn this through the gears. And I know it's going to be so easy and tempting for you to find a reason to not listen to what I shared this morning, to what James was saying this morning. It, the scripture tells us that's what, that's what can happen. Okay, it, It's in the, the parable of the sower there where it says about the seed falling. It says, but there are those who go on their way. They're choked by what? Life's worries, riches, and pleasures. So they do not reach full growth. You get that? If you let this message get choked out, you, you're in that adultery relationship, you're not in the kingdom place, and God can't do more. You're putting a barrier to what God can do. But the seed that's on good soil stands for those who will be honest and have a good heart, and they hear the message, and they keep that message in their hearts, and they remain faithful, and what happens? They produce more. They produce more. Here's where we wrap it up. He makes this kind of promise to us. James is saying, listen, if you just, just, if you just get this today, guys, he says, so, do what? Just obey. Just trust God. Obey God. Just trust God in this. Just, just give him the chance to prove it to you, right? Just, just trust him in it, okay? And, and I'll make my personal witness to you here. I mean, Jill and I will tell you over and over and over and over and over again that one of the best things that we ever did in our life was put our finances in a kingdom position and begin tithing. And, and we look at our life, and, and I'm telling you, I am abundantly blessed. I look at my kids, I look at their life, I look at my marriage, I look at everything going on at Christ, and I can't not see it except through looking at one of the filters and understanding that part of the reason God doing more in my life is because I heard that message early on, Jill and I did, and we committed to just obey God. We can't see it any other way. We really can't. We, we talk about it in our, in our relationship. Say, we're just so thankful that God brought us to that. He says, just obey God. Stand up to the devil. He's going to try to convince you not to. He'll, if you stand up to him, it'll run away. God's going to come near to you. So wash your hands, you sinners. Make your hearts pure. Uh, make up your minds. Be full of sorrow. Cry, don't cry and sob. Change your laughter to crying. Change your joy to sadness. But here's the big one. He promises if you bow down to the Lord, what will he do? He will lift you up. God can do this. God can do this. James just wants you to understand. Get sold out. Be a kingdom-employed person. If you follow Christ, if you follow Christ, you don't work for yourself anymore. You are a kingdom employee. And he will fulfill all of his benefits in your life. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. We just ask, Lord, that you would just fulfill that promise today in each of our lives. We know it's a hard word today. It's a challenging word. But uh, we know you're good for it. We know your promise is true. Uh, we've seen it just in this last month. We've seen 
how you just provide for that thing that you purpose. And so now just convict our hearts and our minds, Lord, uh, that we are kingdom-employed people and that we are just ready to, to ask whatever you desire and just ready to order our lives according to your purpose. We just pray for this wisdom. We pray for this strength. We pray for your spirit to take hold of us in this way. In Jesus' name, amen. been a long, hard year.